Well, we would have you guys turn around and greet one another, but we already had the social time before we even got up here. So I hope you say hi to people, and uh, hopefully this thing doesn't cut out. I felt it cut out, but we'll see how it works. Um, but anyways, uh, I feel like far away, and it's, is it going to cut out? Oh. Oh, we're recording, though. That's the thing. So, anyways. Will it cut out like this? Maybe not. Rudy's already giving me the five minutes. I know it's going to be okay. I think that's going to be okay, Craig. Well, well, well. We have come to the end of our summer series. I'm so excited about it in, in one sense. In another sense, I'm kind of bummed out because um, I've just been having a blast. Just kind of going through, um, through this whole time. Uh, we've come to the end because school has started now. The summer school break has finished. So all the kids are back in school. And so... Um, this has been a, an amazing, amazing time um, for me personally, just just uh, being a part of this group of men who have been able to come and just share with us and teach. Um, it was such an amazing thing in that uh, when we began to, to pray and, and think about this, as I began to pray and think about this for this summer, if we should do another series like we did last year or not, um, it was on my heart to uh, to do the Sermon on the Mount, but I just thought, no, Lord, I'm going to pray about other stuff, and, and I just kept on coming back to the Sermon on the Mount, and for some reason, um, I, I just kept on coming back to it, and I thought, Lord, it is so deep that we really can't do it justice in a short amount of time, and even as I discussed this with some of the guys, it, it, all of us thought, it's like, how are we going to get through this, but we... We, we broke it up, and every, every one of these guys, as, as, uh, as we were talking about and praying about doing this, I remember in one of the meetings, they were asking me, so what do you want to see from this? I said, I want to hear the heart of Jesus from you guys to teach to our people. I want our people to hear the heart of, of the Lord, um, because all of this has to do with, with Jesus just teaching. It's been an amazing time to to just um, just be a part of it. I know that we we were barely able to just scratch the surface, if anything, because we could have gone a whole year in the Sermon on the Mount because it is that deep. There is so much, and so I just felt like the Lord kept on laying this on our hearts, and and as we broke it up, we were praying, and 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 God God put every guy in the right place to do the right teaching. I just, I just felt that the Lord just anointed each one of the speakers to teach about what they were supposed to teach. As I read through this several times, um, I kept on seeing the heart of Jesus through, through it all. And that's how I wanted this, this whole thing to go, that, that the people who would be hearing this word would hear the heart of Jesus and how he wanted his disciples 
to have a kingdom view. And guys, I would like to encourage you guys, each and every one of you, every one of you guys, to go back to the, the Sermon on the Mount and take, take your time in it. Because it is so deep, so much that he wants to share with us. And we need to have this kingdom view on a regular basis, not just for this summertime. This thing needs to linger in our hearts. We need to embed this in our hearts so that we can live this out because that is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, is living it out, not just reading about it. To be able to to live it here on this earth. Because again, he's talking about a different kingdom. And yet, we have to live on this earth. Most of what he shares in here goes directly against what the world teaches. Totally against what the world teaches. How the world acts, he go, it goes directly against everything that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. The kingdom of heaven is at hand was the cry of John the Baptist. As he came on the scene, that's what he was preaching. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when Jesus came on the scene in his public ministry, he picked up the same mantra. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven was at hand because he showed up and he is the kingdom. And and he began to to share that with the disciples, with those who who, who who were around him, to share that the kingdom of heaven is at hand because he had showed up. And we are to, to live by the same mantra, the, the same tune. We are to, to, to be different from the world because we live, if you're a believer, you live in the kingdom of heaven because Jesus Christ is the kingdom of heaven and he lives in you. What Jesus shared with his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount are principles, their beliefs, their values, that those who have received the kingdom of heaven are to live by. I asked those who, who taught, again, that that's what we needed to portray because Jesus' heart was to teach principles, values, beliefs. And I said that in the sense because all of this that we have been reading is all red letters. It all, it's all red letters. It's Jesus speaking. If you have one of those Bibles with the different colored letters, it is all red letters. There's 111 verses in the Sermon on the Mount from chapters... It's five through through seven, and only four of them are not red letters. So it is purely Jesus speaking directly to his disciples, those who were outside waiting on him, waiting for him to speak. As he began to speak, he just continued this discord for however long it went, but it was recorded. And this is how personal we are to take this Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus spoke it for sure. But as I was looking at that and reading it over again, I, I, I looked at the word you and I wanted to start circling it, but I thought, no, I'm going to go on my computer and find out how many times the word you is, is said in the, in, the book, in the Gospel of Matthew. And it, it says you 600 times 
in the book of Matthew. And 118 of those times, it's in those three chapters. The word your (laughs) is mentioned 171 times in the entire gospel. But in the Sermon on the Mount, it's 76 times. That's how personal we need to take this portion of Scripture because He's talking to you. And when He's talking about your stuff, your things, what you're supposed to do, He he speaks personally to us. And so I truly believe that, that, that Jesus, as the King of this kingdom, is truly wanting to make this portion of Scripture of Scripture personal to His disciples. And if you call yourself a Christian, He is speaking to you. He's talking about your life. And we need to take it personal. The interesting thing about the Sermon on the Mount here is that He never forced it upon anybody. He didn't force anybody to join this this kingdom. He never demanded those who were not a part of the kingdom to live by the same principles, beliefs, and values. And I think that's when we sometimes get things mixed up because we want the world to have the same kind of values that Jesus is speaking to His disciples. And Jesus never never said that. He was speaking to us as believers. We are to live by these principles, these, these beliefs, these, these values. And He didn't force it on anybody else. And I think that's interesting because, again, I think we get frustrated because the world does what the world does and we get frustrated with the world. But guys, they are not in the kingdom of heaven. We are the ones that are called to be in the kingdom of heaven and He has told us that we are to live by these principles, by these rules. So if you consider yourself a Christian, if you have come to Christ, If you are a part of the kingdom, then you are expected to live by these principles. And there's no negotiating these principles. You cannot pick and choose here. As we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot pick and choose what you want to do and what you don't want to do. If you consider yourself part of the kingdom, you need to adhere to the principles of this kingdom. There are two kingdoms that are at play here, guys. There is the earthly kingdom that is ruled by the prince of the power of the air. And then there's a kingdom of heaven that is made available by the king of kings. So we have to, we have to choose, and we saw that even last week, that there's a choice to make, and we'll see that even tonight. All mankind defaults to the earthly kingdom. They automatically are born into the kingdom of this world. So we default to the kingdom of, of this world. But you need to have a conscious or need to make a conscious effort to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And once you do that, then you begin to live by those principles. And again, like I told you, it goes totally against the kingdom of this world. And guys, it is not a game. Like I said, you cannot pick and choose what you want to do. These are important principles. This is what he said to the last church in the book of Revelation in chapter 3, which I believe is 
the state of the of the church, the end of the church age. In Revelation three fifteen and sixteen, he says, "I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth." It's that serious, guys. God, Jesus doesn't play games with what He has written here. If you call yourself a part of the kingdom, then we cannot be lukewarm. He, he says, I would rather you be cold. <laughs> I'd rather you not even consider yourself part of this kingdom if you think it's a game. I'd rather not, that, that you not call yourself that. To represent, try to represent me when you are cold. I'd rather just that you be cold. And then he said, I'd rather that you be hot. (laughs) So he can make that distinction. But he also says, but those who are lukewarm. And again, it's a state that we put ourselves in because we want to, 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 to have it both ways. And he says, I can't. Even if you're lukewarm, you're out. What Jesus, Jesus establishes in the kingdom of heaven or, or in the Sermon on the Mount, is that those who have received the kingdom of heaven are blessed. <laughs> those who have received the kingdom of heaven are blessed. And we went through the, the, the Beatitudes. We are blessed if we are in the kingdom of heaven. There's similarities that, that he, he says in those things of how we should be living our life. And when we understand what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven. We understand that we cannot do anything in and of ourselves. That we are so dependent on the king who established that kingdom. He is the one that sets the rules, but he is the one that enables us to, to walk by the rules, to, 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 to adhere to those rules. We cannot do this on our own. Those who were listening, as Jesus began to share with them, they understood that they could not live by the law. So that so they needed to trust the one who came and fulfilled the law. He would get them through. He goes on to share with them that it was all a matter of the heart. As he began to share with them that you've heard it said of old. Do not do these things, but I say to you, he says. And he kind of kind of said, I, I, I look at the heart, not the exterior. It's not just the physical acts that Jesus looks at, but the motives of the heart that truly matter. Because that's what this whole thing is all about. Where is your heart in all of it? And in a sense, Jesus ups the ante when He gets into the Sermon on the Mount to show those who are in His kingdom that they could never do anything to be worthy of this kingdom. There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to be worthy to be in this kingdom. We have to be totally dependent upon Him. And it's interesting because He takes responsibility of his subjects, 
of those who are in the kingdom. He takes responsibility of them. And we learn that if we look to Him, if we seek Him and His righteousness, He will take care of every little need that we have. That we won't have to worry about a thing. He takes care of His subjects. We are blessed to be in His kingdom. To be a part of this kingdom, the subjects are told to emulate Christ. Emulate the King and go against the grain of this world. He never said it would be fair. He never said it would be easy because when you read through the Sermon on the Mount, you look at a lot of things and you're going, well, that's not fair. Well, He never said it was. He never said it would be easy to do the things that He has told us through the Sermon on the Mount. But they are the best things to do. They are the the most practical, it is the most practical way to go in this life, to follow the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7. I want to start in verse 1. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, it will be measured, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at a plank and look, a plank is in your own eye, hypocrite. First remove the plank in your own eye and then you will see clearly and remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their foot and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and he who, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give uh, good things to those who ask him? Sorry. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but open, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from, from thistles? Every, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down 
and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who, were, who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and, and floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Because the Sermon on the Mount is the Word of God, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be uh, complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, as it says in 2 Timothy 3. This last chapter had to do with judging, that we are to judge in righteousness, that we are to pray continually, that we are to treat others the way we want to be treated, and that we have a choice, and that we need to be watchful. Verses 21 to 23, where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. As I read that, and as I was thinking about this, I thought, wow, what, what an interesting way to finish off the Sermon on the Mount. But then again, why, why wouldn't he finish it off this way? After all, He's just got done sharing with them about this whole new kingdom that He has established and how they were to live out their lives under this new authority. You see, it would have been easy for them to continue living their lives outwardly in a religious kind of way. They were used to that. That's what, that's what the Jewish people did. It would have been easy for them to continue in that way. And I think that he had done all these things in, in a way so that they would understand the difference between what the world said and what his new kingdom was all about. But once again, Jesus ups the ante and he says, not everyone that calls upon me, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, it's not what some, someone says, or even what someone does. It's about the motives of the heart. It's the motives of the heart of why or what he says and why he does anything for the kingdom of heaven. They were used to going through the motions. They understood what it meant. And the warning here is that 
religious things, even godly things, can be done to be seen of men. And we've seen that in chapter 6 when we were out here last time. To be seen of men. It was easy for them to do that. Jesus, who is the righteous judge of the kingdom of heaven, sees what we do and why we do things. And he sees it through the motives of the heart. And it could be a scary thing to understand that. Because many of us can get caught up in going through the motions. And we truly need a heart check continually in our hearts that we do not become like those who have a false sense of security that we're saved when we really are not. We truly need to understand what is the motive of why I do what I do. What is the motive behind what I say and how I say it? That's where He judges everything with what is done in His kingdom. He judges everything by the heart. That's what He looks at, guys. When you're at home and you're talking to your spouse or your children, He sees your heart of how you're talking to them and why you're talking to them that way. Whenever, wherever you find yourself, He sees your heart before anything else. And that's how He judges us. We are told here in many, that, that, that many will be within the kingdom of heaven prophesying in His name, casting out demons in His name. And doing wonders in His name. And yet Jesus knows that they are false prophets when they do these things. We learned that last week. And I know that some would say, wow, if there's people that are prophesying, if there's people that are casting out demons and doing wonders for the kingdom of heaven, man, they're doing more than most people ever do in their lifetime. And we would almost kind of trip out and say, wow, Lord... Those people you would say, I never even knew you? But I would bet, I would bet that those, those people that Jesus is talking about here never did the practical things in their lives that he has been talking about throughout this whole, uh, this whole Sermon on the Mount. I could bet that these people that he is talking about who are saying, Lord, Lord, but didn't we do all these great things in your name? I could, I could guarantee you they never did the practical aspect of it. It's the ones who do the will of the Father. The ones who are submitted to Him. The ones who have given up their own will to do His will. They are not out for their own glory, but for the glory of the King of glory. Because when you look at these claims that these guys are making, these claims of what they have done, prophesying, casting out demons, wonders or mighty works, which are not bad things in and of themselves, but where are their claims of being totally desperate for the king? Where are their claims that they were totally dependent on, on fulfilling the, the kingdom of heaven? They didn't, they didn't mention those things because they never did them. They, they did those things that were outward to be seen of men and people probably gave them praise and props. 
but they never claimed, Lord, but don't you remember when I did these other little things or when I was so desperate for you that I cried out for you on a daily basis? They didn't cry out. They didn't claim those things. They did not fulfill the law of love. I could guarantee you that is why Jesus said, I have never known you because they never fulfilled the law of love. They couldn't claim that they had turned the other cheek. They couldn't claim that they had gone the extra mile. They couldn't claim that they loved and blessed and, and, and done good and prayed for their enemies. They, ne- they couldn't claim those things. You see, the Sermon on the Mount is not about doing the great things. <laughs> it's about doing the practical things. It's about doing the simple things. It's about doing the humble things. The everyday things, guys. That's what he's talking about. Those so-called great things, those great things come as a result. They accompany, they follow those who are doing the practical things. Those things follow, those things that, that, that we, when we're doing the simple things, those signs will follow the believer. They are not the things that we seek out to go do. They come alongside. Those great things are not what we are to seek. We are to seek obedience. We are to seek doing the will of the Father. And if those great things come, right on. (laughs) If, if, If God uses us in mighty ways... Praise Jesus for those things. But those are not the things that we seek. Not when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. All those things are a result of obedience. When Jesus said to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. He is talking to those who claimed They belonged to Him and to the kingdom, but disregarded His commands. They disregarded the royal law as we studied in James a a couple of weeks ago. They They disregarded that one, so they became lawless. They didn't adhere to that law, the law of the kingdom. And that royal law is love. And they didn't adhere to that. They went against that. And in that, they became lawless. They didn't allow themselves to be ruled by the law, the law of the kingdom of heaven. They may may do, and they may have done, but Jesus saw. Jesus saw the motives behind their actions. He saw their heart. He saw what nobody else could see. He saw their actions. Because He looks directly into the heart. And these guys even deceived themselves. They were deceived by their own hearts. Isaiah 29.13 says, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. 
and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. Second Timothy 3.5 says, Having the form of godliness, but denying its power, from such people turn away. Titus 6, 1, 16. They profess, but in works they deny him. Being abomin- uh, abominable, disobedient, and disqualified in every good work. This portion of the Sermon on the Mount should hit hard. It should penetrate deep. Because we really need a heart check. We, we need to check ourselves continually. We need to be so desperate for Jesus that we cannot do anything apart from Him. We need to be so dependent on Him that nothing else matters in our life. We need to check our hearts, but not just tonight. We need to check our hearts the rest of our lives if you call yourself a Christian if you claim to be in the kingdom of heaven if we want great things in our lives if we expect to do great and mighty things for the kingdom of God then we need to be doing the practical things we need to be doing the simple things and we need to be doing the humble things day in and day out guys that's where he sees us. That's where we should be. That's what the, the, the Sermon on the Mount is all about. When you look at verses 24 to 27, and, and, and he shares about, he says, Therefore, those who hear these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. He talks about the storms that come and, the, and, and because they were founded on the rock, they stood. And he talked about anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the storms came and it fell apart. Jesus finishes off the Sermon on the Mount with two parables or with a parable of two builders and two foundations. So he finishes it off very, very simply. <laughs> really simple. With all that he has shared, it boils down to this. You can, you can hear what I say, Jesus says, and do it. Or you can hear and not do what I say. That's it. That, that, that's how he finishes it all off after this whole discord he says, you can do as I say, or you don't have to do as I say. No biggie. <laughs> he doesn't make us choose. He doesn't make the choice for us. Nor does he make it complicated. He doesn't give us five choices, ten choices, fifteen choices. He gives us two choices. And guess what? He is okay with, with whatever choice you make. He's okay with it. It's not that he's calloused. It's not that he's happy that you chose a different route than following after him. But he's okay with it because he understands that he has done everything possible for us to make the wise choice. 
He has made everything possible. He sent His Son so that we can make the right choice. And so he, he is okay when He has to say, Depart from me, I never knew you. It's not because He, he, he hates them. I'm sure it breaks His heart, but He's okay with it. He's okay with it. <laughs> There's two foundations that are set. The one that is on the sand has to do with the kingdom of earth, of this earth. And the one on the rock has to do with the kingdom of heaven. And it's that simple, guys. I know that we default to the kingdom of this earth, but we have a choice. We have a choice to get into the kingdom of heaven. And he shares about two builders. Those two builders are those who who do and don't do. And he calls one wise, which is sensible, prudent, practical. And he calls the other foolish. And the Greek word for that word foolish is moros, which means dull or stupid, i.e. heedless, blockhead, absurd. (laughs) We get our word moron from that word. And some might think, man, that's pretty strong language that he's using there. And I think it's meant to be. It's meant to be because he doesn't use the word ignorant for the foolish man. Instead of saying foolish, he says ignorant. They didn't know. They were unaware. No, he doesn't use that word. He uses the word foolish on purpose. Because they knew. They knew they had the opportunity to choose the right foundation. And they foolishly didn't choose it. That's how simple it is. They decided not to choose it. And it says, And great was its fall. The one who built his, his, his foundation on sand, it says, And great was its fall. And, and I, I believe that it was, it was great because eternity hung in the balance. It was huge. And they knowingly chose destruction. They knowingly chose their own glory. Those things that were temporal, those things that were earthly, those things that led them directly to hell. Foolish. In reality, there is no way that God can ever be accused of sending anybody to hell. He has gone out of His way to make a way through the one who called Himself the way so that we can have access to the Father. Anything else is foolish. He gives people opportunities to serve Him, to to go after Him, and they refuse it. And there's no one else to blame. Verses 28 and 29 it says, so, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. 
for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let me read it to you through the Amplified. It says, When Jesus had finished these sayings, the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were astonished and overwhelmed with bewildered wonder at his teaching. For he was teaching as one who had and was authority and not as did the scribes. Why wouldn't the people, the crowds, be astonished? Why wouldn't they be overwhelmed with bewilderment as he taught? The very Word of God was teaching them the Word of God. The very Word of God, the Kingdom of Heaven was at hand. He had come in the flesh. If you can still see your Bibles, turn over to to John chapter 1. As we close up here, as my paper goes that way. John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning. All things were made by through Him. And without him was not, was made nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That was the true light, verse O. Oh. Switch over to verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not, did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Who are born not of blood, nor of the will of, of, of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What an amazing thing that we have here. That the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The very Word of God came in human form to share with his creation and he came and he shared with them a different life one that would be in the kingdom of heaven one that they could live today not just wait for for heaven but now today i know that that a lot of you most of you have have asked jesus into your life you 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 have claim to be in the kingdom of heaven but let me ask you a question have you been living by those rules have you been subject to the king of kings of that kingdom of heaven have you been adhering to these these rules and these laws the law of love or have you tried to negotiate your way out of it picking and choosing what's right for you and for your lifestyle friend you can't pick and choose anymore you've got to make a choice and again I, I, I think when we 
study this portion of Scripture and we examine ourselves, it should scare us. <laughs> it should frighten us in a way because sometimes we deceive our own hearts. And we say, oh no, God is cool with that. It's like, no, you got to go back to the Word. Is He really cool with that? And most of the time, we will be convicted and we try to talk our way out of it. And if that's you on a regular basis, again, I, I, I would have a heart check. Because you're not being subject to the King. Guys, this is an important portion of Scripture. My heart is that you would let it go down deep. That you would not take this portion of Scripture lightly. Oh, what a beautiful story. What a beautiful sermon. No, it's for you. It's yours. And we need to make that decision day in and day out, guys. And I'm not here to to question your salvation. But God knows your salvation. But we are to come to Him. We are to desire to be more like Him. If we call ourselves Christians, let us act like Christians. Let us emulate Christ. (laughs) We heard many great teachers throughout this series who poured their heart into sharing what Jesus was sharing with them. And my heart is that you would receive it. If If you've been here for all of them or if this is your first time, that you would receive the heart of Jesus here. We're going to have worship. And guys, I'm going, to, I'm going to be up here. Some of the guys that have been teaching, they'll make their way up here. And if you just need prayer for anything, just come on up. If you want to pray with a woman or whatever, I'm sure there's some ladies up here that will be up here. But I don't want you to leave if you've been questioning your own heart, your salvation. I want you to get some prayer. Be, be assured. Because God is able to assure you of where you stand. And He will always show you the Word of God. (laughs) Let's pray. Father in Heaven, as we thank You once again, Lord, for just this time that we have had through this summer, to be able, Lord God, to a portion of Scripture, we ask, God, that You capture our hearts, Lord, that You convict our hearts if we've been playing games, even if we've been doing it for years. I pray that even tonight there would be true repentance. That they would never from this day forward have to worry about their salvation. But that they would submit to the King of Kings. That they would desire to walk in the Kingdom of Heaven. To be a part of it. And Father, we thank You and praise You for Your goodness and Your grace. And we thank You, Lord God, for just the decisions that people will make tonight, Lord. And so, Lord, please touch their hearts. And even as we worship, Lord God, cause them to, to, to be in a place of being in your presence, Lord, and that you would just minister to their hearts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. God bless you guys.